talking for five minutes recording now hello lovebirds (laughs) hello lovebirds welcome to forever babe the podcast that's in love with learning about love and commitment culture i'm meg joe i am molly kiernan and we're happy you're here yeah you're joining us in our little chat today yeah (laughs) uh we, we were chatting about how we don't have any housekeeping i know and meg was like should we make some up? Which is a crazy thing to suggest. No, let's get to the topic. Well, I, I we check in on each other. <laughs> oh, that's true. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Just racking my brain for some housekeeping. Oh, you're a freak. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're a little little under the weather. Oh at the yeah. Moment. Nothing COVID related. Yeah. We're gonna allergies. see how we're gonna see how today goes. I am on three types of allergy medicine. Yes. <laughs> so. You feel well, a little goofy already, and I kind of like it. I'm I'm combining my, as my mother would call it, it's an allergy cocktail. I combined like six pills together, that and then Molly, dangerous. yeah, Molly's topping it off. She just gave me a beer. So <laughs> here we go. Listen to us. We are experts on everything. <laughs> doing everything right oh my goodness how are you molly um i'm pretty fine (laughs) i think we're both just fine today yeah i'm you know whatever it's been a long weekend which has been nice yeah oh thanksgiving thanksgiving i didn't travel neither did i and that was wonderful yeah yeah a new felt really nice new thanksgiving yeah (laughs) maybe every year it'll be thanksgiving in a pandemic JK, JK, JK. I mean, we hope not, but we could still do it the way we did it this year. True. It was just Corey and I sitting across from each other at a table, which felt lovely. Nice, but also, yeah, not climactic in the way that it usually is, I guess. Sure. And then you got a Christmas tree. So Yes, we got a huge Christmas tree because I'm yeah. really going overboard on it. Because you must. We must this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Which might have something to do with my allergies. I don't know. If someone oh, is an allergist listening, please tell me if I'm allergic to my Christmas tree. Oh my God, you might be. Uh, uh, I'm going to pretend I'm not because, you know, then mentally maybe I won't be. Yeah. Anyway, should we um, jump into... Oh, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm you As you know, I'm thinking about um, either getting bangs or getting a cat. And your allergies are making me feel like I should not get a cat. We cannot (laughs) record this podcast here if you get a cat, Molly. I will (laughs) literally die. Okay, then cut my bangs later. Yeah. As long as Molly keeps texting me like, should I cut my bangs right now? And I keep saying no. Because so I, Meg's going to do it. Molly doesn't have the patience to cut <laughs> her own bangs. And then the thing that sucks about ruining your own hair, which I don't necessarily think you would, but it's such a high risk situation that you'll like hate yourself for it, that yeah, I would I rather you. you hate me for messing up your hair than yourself. Does I would that never make sense? Kind of. I wouldn't hate you. And I don't think you'd mess no, with my hair. So let's do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Look out for the curtain update. bangs update on our yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll maybe I'll record me cutting your bangs. <laughs> All right, ready for cute alert? Cute alert. You know it. The section where we tell you about love in the news, and it often isn't very cute, but we call it that anyway. Yes. <laughs> Mine's pretty cute. I feel like you're gonna roast me for this. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm sure I am. Citing a news article, I'm just reading an Instagram caption. Oh my <laughs> god. Don't but worry, lovebirds will work on this. It has to do with love and. It's it's going around on the celebrity gossip sites. Of course it is. So Tell me. Camila Cabello recently posted about her relationship with Shawn Mendes. Okay. They've been dating for a long time, I feel like. Sure. But she described love, and I think it's pertinent to today's episode, and also it's interesting to hear different people's descriptions of love, so I'm just going to straight up read her Instagram caption. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, Meg's going to cut this all out. No, I don't cut anything really except us getting wine. Okay, I've learned a lot about love with this guy, referring to Sean. 
It's not just the happy, blissful moments you see in pictures and videos. When you're in a relationship with someone, it feels like they are this mirror reflecting yourself back to you. I constantly have to confront my fears, my anxieties, my insecurities, my patterns of thinking, my beliefs about life and about myself. It's not as simple as it looks in pictures sometimes. Sometimes it's messy and uncomfortable and ugly, lol. (laughs) But there's nothing like the pull, the force that is love, to be the light in the darkness. To be the gravitational pull that gives you the relentless strength to be braver, wiser, and better than you, you were yesterday. It's so instinctive for us to love, even if our minds try to protect us from it sometimes. But our nature as humans is to love, and to be in love means to choose that person over and over again, to go through the messy stuff with. And that's way more beautiful and raw and real than perfection. I'm all for being vulnerable on social media because I think only the neatness and perfection of life is shown on here, and that can make us all feel extra lonely and weird. So raise your glass to the messiness and weirdness of being human and the miracle and the easiness and the instinct and the relentless force that is love. It's nice. It's nice. She's talking about being ugly on social media, but, like, it's accompanied by a beautiful picture. So (laughs) I'm a little bit like, okay. Yeah, this feels actually like a very influencer-y Yeah, (laughs) and that's kind of why I wanted to read it, because I think some stuff was very, um, was very authentic, but then other things I was just kind of like, I don't know, this kind of feels like what everyone says about love. Like, I want to hear, okay, if you're going to be vulnerable, tell me what the ups and downs are. (laughs) Let's Camilla, <laughs> tell yeah. Molly. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> no, um, that's true. Though she does talk about how, and this is pertinent to today's episode, um, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. When you're in a relationship with someone, it feels like they are this mirror reflecting yourself back to you. And this is hmm. this relates to this term I'll talk about called overlapping concepts of self. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just, you know, keep that little post in mind. A little pre-segue. I don't know. A mirror. You'll have to explain that to me then because it kind of sounded like bullshit to me. (laughs) I don't know that Corey is a mirror reflecting me back to myself. Yeah, though I do think in probably in your relationship with Corey, you both see your own tendencies because we have to voice them to each other. Yeah, or the compromises you need to make or, you know, maybe communication flaws you guys may have had in the past or whatever. For sure, for you sure. know, so in that way, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for Camilla. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, my cute alert is actually from the news. <laughs> okay, brag. <laughs> Molly, you have to have a study next week. A study? Come on. <laughs> Okay, my cute alert is a story about Gibraltar for those like myself that need geography help all the time. Gibraltar is a small British territory on the southernmost tip of Spain, and it's becoming kind of a new Vegas in a way right now, which reminds me that one of my favorite episodes we've ever done is the Las Vegas wedding episode, and if you haven't listened, listen, because I love it. It's really good. Anyway, okay. Gibraltar has become a wedding hotspot during the pandemic. So because many government offices have closed down and there are added restrictions everywhere, people are having trouble getting the documents and things that they need where they live. So they're traveling Mm. to this little town to do it. So when they get there, they just need their passports and birth certificates and then to stay in the territory overnight the day before or day after the wedding. So for people who have like pressing reasons to get married say they need to be married for health insurance because they're pregnant or one of them was offered a job but they can only bring their partner if they're married I saw that as an example I don't know why that would happen but apparently it's a thing maybe like military or Mm, something okay but it's also drawing in people from the neighboring Spanish areas because it's rules on face masks and gatherings are a lot more relaxed so we don't love that but yeah They've had many ceremonies daily at the local registrar's office, and the whole town has added more outdoor wedding venues in the last few months because of all of this. So even Gibraltar's chief minister said he's glad it's becoming known as a place of love rather than division. It's basically becoming a wedding hotspot, which is so interesting to me because we were kind of talking about this the other day, Molly, but I feel like a lot of COVID-19 restrictions are unfortunately making i am pro restrictions at this point if i'm being honest and yes you know i would agree yeah yeah. you know because it's getting worse but i feel like a lot of the restrictions are making people do worse things (laughs) so like while people can't get married in their hometowns now they have to travel in order to get married right so is there a way we can find like a safe way to do it a middle ground i don't know i i I have no idea what that kind of like governance is like but 
it's just interesting to me that that's sort of a part of what's going on all over the world. Yeah. And that this town is, you know, I guess taking advantage and just letting people get married there. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting because people are going to find a way to break the rules no matter what. And that sucks. Well, yeah, and some of those examples, like, I get it. If you you need to get married because you're about to have a baby and that's how you're going to both have health insurance. But why, then why not do, like, a Zoom wedding? Well, even if you do a Zoom wedding, just because you're not having guests there doesn't mean you can go to the courthouse and get all the stuff that you need to get to get legally married. Oh, oh, I see. I misunderstood. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's about about the legalities of it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's but then people are probably also going just because they want the, a wedding, right? Well, it sounds like the people nearby, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I'm saying is the people who, like, really need to do it now and can't, wherever they are. You get that. I kind of get it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish there was a different solution right. for them, and I'm sure they do, too. But <laughs> like, Let's hope they do, too. This article yeah. I read was, like, a bunch of people just saying, I never thought I'd get married in Gibraltar, <laughs> which is fair. Yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> So let's get into today's topic, yeah? Okay, yes. What is our topic? It is the science of heartbreak. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to read another thing from Instagram that this Meg knows about. So obviously heartbreak is something I think unfortunately all of us can relate to. Yes. So I asked people on Instagram what heartbreak has felt like to them. Okay, cool. Here are some of the answers I got. It felt like this cloud that I could never fully shake. It was around for months. Mm-hmm. Gutting. Floor ripped out from underneath me. Cry. Listen to sad music and chain smoke. LOL. Mm-hmm. Physical pains. Like someone ripped a part of my heart out. Another person. Ooh, depends. But usually it's crying slash not eating. Other times it's pure anger slash hatred for them. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes me physically ill in the stomach, but also kind of feels romantic. I get mm, that. Yeah. Nausea, baby. I get the heartbreak pukies. Oh, no, that sucks. Yes. The next person said sick to stomach nauseous. Ugh. It definitely feels like my heart physically broke. A very heavy feeling. P.S. Love the pod. Aw. <laughs> love you back. A swelling in my chest that seems to persist. A hopelessness that leaves a scar. Got and it. the last one is extreme cold. Oh. Really interesting. That, yeah. I, I, we might need to... I don't know why Follow that person that. feels that way. I'm going to try to find out. Okay. Yeah. Extreme cold gotta be something with circulation there i don't know maybe yeah yeah because i asked you know do you feel it physically do you cry do you scream what's going on actually i might answer that today in a way but i've never i had didn't see anything specifically about feeling cold so that's so interesting i'm glad you asked followers that yeah sometimes Um, my use of instagram is good yes i (laughs) i'm gonna drop it now i'm gonna drop it (laughs) i'm gonna drop it and move on i made a mistake i wrote an instagram caption (laughs) i loved it um so let's that's perfect let's get into it what is happening to your brain and body when your Your heart heart is broken and just to clarify what we mean by heartbreak Mm. at least today We're talking about heartbreak in a romantic sense. Of course, people are devastatingly heartbroken with the loss of a life of a loved one, but we're discussing romantic loss specifically today. Breakups. Yeah, breakups. So this can range from the end of a 50-year relationship with someone or the end of just a few weeks with someone. But either way, we're discussing why that can make you feel like you're cold and dying. Yes, and (laughs) I would argue that heartbreak can occur even after you haven't even ever dated the person yes 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 and so this week I returned to Urban Dictionary (laughs) which isn't my normal go-to but I was curious what the most popular result for heartbreak would be and it's kind of a long entry but it made me laugh and it sort of perfectly sums up heartbreak as we're going to talk about it today so I'm just going to read it real quick so this is the main entry on Urban Dictionary for heartbreak Heartbreak is the worst feeling in the world, and you don't know how painful it feels until you experience it. It feels like your heart is literally breaking, like it's shattered into a million pieces, and you feel empty and lonely, and it makes you want to not live anymore. (gasps) 
It happens when the person you love li- <laughs> lied to you or left you and say they don't love or care about you and it hurts like hell because you can't get over them and all you want is them. You can't sleep because you're crying too much and all you think about is them and you can't get them out of your head no matter how hard you try. It just feels like the world is coming to an end and you don't know what to do anymore. Like there is no point in living and it feels like there is no one to talk to and nothing can ever make you happy again. This is honestly the most horrible thing in the world and I would rather have had fallen out of a tree and broken both of my arms. <laughs> Meg reading that like a teenage robot. <laughs> it's so good, and I feel like it it's needs to be said good. like all in one I breath. Agree, it's very you did it perfectly, and it's all true. But you know what makes us feel this way? What makes us wish we'd broken our arms instead of getting broken up with, or you know, as I like to call it, howl, howl at, at the, the moon? moon. <laughs> our brains, of course. So. When I was looking into studies about heartbreak, Molly, you better believe the expert everyone turns to is our queen, Helen Helen Fisher. Fisher. Dr. Helen Fisher. So basically a study that she co-conducted in 2010 is the big one that taught us so much of what we understand today about heartbreak. So everywhere you look, if you're looking into this, this is where everyone points. Okay. Helen Fisher's research. So maybe you listeners might recall, if you listen to our very, very first episode on Love at First Sight, she did a study with fMRI machines, and she scanned people's brains when looking at pictures of loved ones in mm-hmm. that study. Well, in this 2010 study, they put people back in the machines, but this time they gathered a group of people who were in the stages of a breakup. Okay. So all these people reported that they thought about the person that dumped them about 85% of their day. Oof. And they wanted to get back together. And this group also said that they'd been regularly experiencing a lack of emotional control since the split and had been doing things like writing or emailing the person too much, sure. pleading, pleading to get back together, yep. sobbing for hours, yes. drinking too much, okay, yeah. <laughs> or like showing up at that person's home or work, etc. Haven't done it, but have considered it. So. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You just need to see that person. Mm-hmm. And in other research I've read from Helen, she also talks about how, you know, some people stalk someone, they can slip into clinical depression, they can take their own life or take someone else's. Heartbreak can be extremely serious. Absolutely, yeah. But probably wasn't for the people in this study, but they took these poor people and put them in the fMRI <laughs> machines and then showed them photos of what they called the rejector stimulus, so oh. the person that dumped them. Yikes. And then asked them to share their feelings about it, about them, and they would say things like, I hate what he did to me, it hurts so much, and they would scan the brain while they were having this conversation. Gotcha. And mostly from this study and research done since then, this is what we know about heartbreak. So, on a biological level, you don't stop loving the person. So your brain still lights up in all the same areas as when you're happily in love or falling in love and when you're experiencing attachment to the person. And it can actually be even stronger after you've been dumped. That's awful. (laughs) Yeah. Helen calls this frustration attraction. Okay. And it's, you know, basically just you can't get what you want, so you try harder for it. So those are the reasons you're doing those things, like sending emails in the middle of the night, whatever, showing Mm -hmm. up at their work. Yeah, really long emails. Yeah, sure. (laughs) They're always long. (laughs) (laughs) That you're receiving or sending? Sending. Okay. Great. I haven't done it in a while. Okay, okay, that's fair. Well, it kind of reminds me personally of how when I'm heartbroken, I incessantly listen to sad music or music that reminds me of being with that person. Because mm. I'm like, what am I doing there? Simultaneously trying to get my fix of that person, but then also making a bad decision because it's hurting me more. Yeah, but that's such a healthy way. Well, it's not like that's all I was doing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're like, don't give me of, too much credit. Don't give me too much credit. But a huge part of every every actual heartbreak I've had in my life yeah. has been, you know, set to a soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to remind yourself, but that's way better than like texting them incessantly. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Something that sticks out to me when I think about heartbreak so much is driving or walking around whatever. Getting from where you need to go to live your life and looking around and everything you hear and everything you see reminding you of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it being so fucking frustrating. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Truly awful. Yeah, that's 100% true. 
yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the soundtrack to my divorce, by the way, was Khalid's album, American Teen. Mm. It's so good. Okay. I also cannot listen to the Avett Brothers anymore. Okay. So as we know, <laughs> <laughs> just FYI, <laughs> just so you all know, don't play Avett Brothers for me. I will cry. Okay, so we also know from all the research that your body perceives the pain of a broken heart as physical pain. So this is what what I was thinking when I heard that that person feels cold. Maybe it could be in that form. But love activates the same neurological reward centers in our brain as when we're doing cocaine. And losing love can feel like going through withdrawals after quitting cold turkey. Yes. So basically, whether we're in pain from withdrawal from drugs or experiencing an emotional rejection, the neurons in our anterior cingulate cortex and insula, (laughs) so those parts of our brain, they start firing and we think the only way to feel better is to experience the high again. So we physically crave it. Right. Like a drug. Yeah. Yeah. But it hurts like that too. Like our bodies. And just like addicts, we can't think clearly and argue with ourselves over every decision you know should I call them no don't be desperate so as pain receptors fire off in our brain the result is that we feel broken physically and emotionally because not only are we physically experiencing pain but we're experiencing anxiety that comes with experiencing pain right (laughs) so this is backed up this idea of us feeling it physically by another study that's well known it's called the Tylenol study and it found that acetaminophen can reduce which is what's in Tylenol yeah or you know like basically any drugstore drug you take when you have a headache right and it can reduce physical and neural responses associated with the pain of social rejection so whether it's a romantic relationship or friendships or otherwise that acetaminophen doesn't just help When you sprain your ankle, it also helps when you have a broken heart or feel rejected. Wow. So So it helps you feel better physically and mentally, or it can. I mean, kind of, because the way that it helps you feel better mentally is that your brain is, you know, against your will, obviously, causing you to feel pain. And so... It's causing you to feel physical pain. So it helps with that. It helps with that physical pain. Even though you weren't, like, punched in the face... Your brain is causing your body to hurt, and it still helps with that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. So basically, <laughs> when you get dumped, you're still madly in love. You're still deeply attached to that person. You, you're you literally craving the person like a drug as though you were addicted to them, and you're obsessively thinking about them, and you're in physical pain. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks so much. And... There's also some interesting psychological terms I came across in my research. <laughs> there's there's one I think you'll find fascinating, Molly. And it's, it's making me laugh because at the beginning of this, you corrected me and said <laughs> that you can feel heartbreak even if you never dated someone. <laughs> yeah. And that was not based on personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> and this term is called psychological snowballing. And it's meant to explain how trauma in the, our present can trigger rep- trauma for us so this can help explain you know why we get heartbroken over someone even if we know they really suck or like you said maybe it wasn't a significant relationship at all but now that it's over it still hurts really bad because we're attaching that trauma to it and so we're still experiencing heartbreak anyway interesting interesting it is really interesting (laughs) it sucks even if we're being reasonable we still have to go through this yeah, and you've been on the receiving end of many of my texts when I was in a situation like this. That uh-huh. was, why do I still care about this person? Why can I not get over this? And then, you know, I'll say I try really hard. It, maybe, I don't know if this is a relatable conversation for people. I try really hard not to be like, just say like, I don't know why you still are yeah, affected but it, by but it. Yeah, but I wouldn't be mad if you did, you know? <laughs> I do a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you do oh, a little bit. this person fucking doesn't deserve you right. and sucks and it's kind of lame, but it still hurts. <laughs> it still hurts. It really does and I yeah. understand that. But, you know, psychological Shout out to you if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out retracted. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, <laughs> finally, I wanted to see what I could find about the very moment that we get broken up with. Not the aftermath, but that moment. That, I, like, shock. Yeah, moment. and I found, a, sure. I found a little bit. And what I found is that because as humans, we have an innate need for acceptance. 
just like we need food and water, you know, that moment of rejection activates what's called our parasympathetic nervous system. So basically, a signal is sent through a nerve from our brain to our heart and stomach, and the muscles of our digestive system contract. So that's probably a lot to do with how people, Ooh, you know, have I that feel stomach that. pain, you know? I can feel that pit right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it says it's like deep in there. And our airways constrict, making it harder to breathe. And the beating of our heart is actually slowed so that it feels literally like our heart is Ugh. breaking down. Awful. Which is what a lot of the people that talk to you on Instagram said. Yeah. It what, feels literal. One time right before I was about to get kind of dumped, all I got was a text at like 8.30 in the morning that just said hi. And I knew. <laughs> I was like, something's up. Also, there's something weird about Molly where people text me text so her early so in the morning. fucking early in the morning. <laughs> it's it blows my mind. Yeah, but this time I knew it wasn't normal, even though I normally receive early <laughs> like, morning texts. Normal people get texts at 2 a.m., not no, 6 a.m. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I get flirty texts at 8 a.m. Um, but this was a text. <laughs> or bad ones. Or bad ones. This was a text at like 8 or 8.30 that was just said hi, and I, as soon as I got that text, I felt that pit in my stomach for the whole day, and I just, everything slowed down. You know, yeah. because you your know. Heart, your heart slowed down. You know. Yeah, that was totally it. It's crazy. So so let's get into kind of the timing of breakups, right? We all have friends that move on more quickly from heartbreak or breakups than us, and we're jealous of them, right? Mm-hmm. That leads me to wonder why some people move on more quickly than others, and it may have to do with actually storytelling, the stories we tell ourselves about the rejection that we experience. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this information comes from an Atlantic piece written by Stanford doctoral psychology candidate Lauren Howe about the research she did with her colleague, Carol Dweck. Okay, ladies. Ladies. Basically, they surveyed people about their past romantic rejections and found that rejection sometimes leads people to find something wrong with themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I was too clingy, too needy, bad at communication, whatever it is. This is not surprising. I've certainly gone there, and so has probably Reese Witherspoon in lots of movies. (laughs) I don't know, what Legally Blonde. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes some amount oh, yeah. of this. Sorry, Legally Blonde is something that I kept reading, reading about. <laughs> I kept reading about during this research because, honestly, she has a very unrealistic reaction to being dumped. And it's, Legally it's, Blonde, yeah. yeah well, and she likes like her su- bed eating chocolates, and then she goes oh, to I law school. Oh, I guess that's true. But like a day later, she goes to Harvard Law School. And right. is like, uh, yeah. I'm going to get him back, but also <laughs> like better myself. Yeah. It's it's like the ideal. Yeah. You spend one day eating ice cream and then and get then a law like, degree. I'm going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very But cool. it did come up a lot and that's so interesting to me that you That I said, said Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes some amount of this, like uh, finding something wrong with yourself, can actually be helpful. Because if, if you really were bad at communication in your past relationships, say, awareness of that can help you improve your communication in future relationships. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. some analyzing is important and good. Yeah. But when your relationship is super connected to your sense of self and self-worth, that's when things go wrong. Basically, in close romantic relationships, we start to think of some of our partner's traits as our own traits. Which is why I'm I'm ta- I was the mirroring, yeah, a little bit. It's not exactly mirroring, but mm. it's connected in my mind. So this is referred to as having overlapping self concepts. House uh, cites a study called "Who Am I Without You: The Influence of Romantic Breakup on the Self Concept" by Erica Slaughter, Wendy Gardner, and Eli Finkel. In part of the study, they asked people to describe themselves after asking them to reflect on a former relationship. And they found that these people used less unique words to describe themselves when they did this. So after they Mm. reflected on a relationship, their description of themselves was more linked to that relationship. Or it was less Okay, so they feel like their self-worth was lowered in that in, in during the breakup well we're not necessarily at self-worth yet i don't believe but it's more that they see themselves as so connected with that person so your sense of self is really tied to that person and you see yourself as having some of the same traits as them that's another thing in in relationships people tend to like take on some of the traits of their partner yeah for sure you know so, and here's where we get to self-worth. Okay. If people had felt themselves grow significantly during those relationships that they reflected on, they were more likely to feel a blow to their self-image when the relationship ended. 
okay, because yeah. the growth they then attribute to the relationship. So yeah, they tie that loss to a loss of like who they are as well, even though ultimately that's not true. Right. So this leads us to link romantic rejection to our sense of self. Mm -hmm. And what Howe and Dweck found was that the more we do that, the harder a breakup will be for us because it becomes a reflection on our own flaws. So healthier breakups are found in people who don't think that way. These are the people that yeah. see rejection, romantic rejection, as something that basically happens to everyone or it's not necessarily a reflection on them. It's rather a, a reflection on their relationship just not working, which happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, rejection, it, like, <laughs> this is just making me think about being mm -hmm. an actor. <laughs> mm -hmm. You have Absolutely. to be able to just roll with it. Yeah, get rejected day in and day out mm -hmm. and be like, it's just well, how it goes. Yeah. Instead exactly. of what did I do wrong? Yeah. Why don't they want me? Yeah. Very similar to how the differences between how people react to rejection in relationships. Yeah. So how do we know what we're more likely to do? These researchers found that it depends on whether or not you view your personality traits as malleable or fixed. Hmm. So I'm just going to read this excerpt from the article. If someone believes that their traits are unchanging, the discovery of a negative one is akin to a life sentence with that new knowledge. Believing in the potential for change, however, might mean that the discovery of a negative quality instead prompts personal growth. Mm -hmm. The stories we tell ourselves about rejection, in other words, can shape how and how well we cope with it. Previous research has illustrated the importance of storytelling in other realms. For example, recovering alcoholics who told redemptive stories in which they learned something from their suffering were more likely to maintain sobriety than people who told stories without this theme. Mm. Narratives that explained pivotal decisions, including getting married or divorced and changing jobs, as moving towards a desired future rather than escaping an undesirable past were associated with higher life satisfaction. So yeah. this was really interesting to me. I thought that the the piece about recovering alcoholics and how they frame their stories and how it's linked to maintaining sobriety was really interesting. And that goes back to what you were saying about how love does feel like an addiction. So how we frame our romantic rejection is so important. Yeah, and I would even argue the most valuable thing to take away from this is being somebody that practices reframing regularly. Yeah is so helpful in your life Absolutely. i remember so Corey and i were visiting his friends two years ago when we were at uh, dcm an improv festival in new york mm -hmm. <laughs> and they had at the time two daughters and they now have a son but they were telling us that when the girls get scared at night they go into their room and they go Ooh, what's that feel like? Isn't it exciting to be afraid? Mm. So reframing that fear. Yes, yeah. for their children. I was like, Jesus, if that my parents cool. did that, I wouldn't have like wet the bed too I long. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I know. But that's something that is such a valuable tool to be able to do for yourself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I would say like Corey can be kind of on the opposite side of that. Yeah. I so, think I can too. It's, I try to say a lot of the time, like, okay, how can we look at this differently? Like, yeah. what does it actually mean? What is this an opportunity for? Right. And that's, I'm not good at that. On I, the flip side, my sorry, therapist says, I'm resilient to a fault. <laughs> so that is so funny. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can go too far and not like take it in. Yeah. You, well, feel your feelings. <laughs> that's what my therapist says to me. She, she talks to me about how it is important to feel your feelings and you have to grieve, but I also have a tendency to like indulge in the grief. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I always have to work on because I, like you were describing with Corey, I am kind of on that side of things. Yeah. I will indulge the grief a lot. And that goes back to when I was a kid, my mom was depressed and she would like sometimes stay in bed all day and I'm not criticizing her that was no, her depression no. but that is something I do a lot a learned behavior that's a learned behavior I have and it's really easy when I'm like heartbroken or upset to indulge that to a fault I guess interesting we're the opposite yeah, I know <laughs> surprise surprise we're, but that's what I'm saying like as long as either way you're working towards a middle and being conscious of it and yeah include the word reframing in your in your vocabulary yeah it's helped me a lot I agree it's simple and seems like silly but we talked about this with witchcraft repeating things over and over and over again in the way that you want to believe them it's will help, help. your yeah. literally like neuroscience says will change your 
thought patterns. Yeah. And you'll be more positive. Um, And then another thing to think about here is attachment wounds, which psychotherapist Allison Abrams talks about in, in her piece for Psychology Today. If we have a history of attachment issues or trauma around relationships, so this is kind of what you were saying before, actually, Meg, but it, it, this can include not like abandonment issues with your parents. A breakup is actually reopening those wounds. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So someone with attachment issues from childhood, me, is not just grieving a breakup, but they're also grieving the losses from our from my past, making it especially harder to move on. Yeah, and I feel like that's so real because it's so easy after a breakup, especially the older you get, I will say, or the more relationships you've had or more heartbreaks, to be like, I can't fucking do this again. Like, I cannot fall in love again because this fucking sucks and I've gone through five major heartbreaks in yeah. my life or whatever it Whatever, is. I can't do and it. And you're, like, adding it all together and it makes you feel shameful because you're like, it didn't work again. again. That's why I'm at a point where I'm like, I am really putting a lot of pressure on whatever my next relationship is in I my mind. Okay. Because I don't want to go through heartbreak again. Yeah, and you know, that's also a sign that you don't want to waste your time because you know what you want. Like, it's also a sign that you are taking things you've learned and moving forward with Yeah, them. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, you know, you're. I'm still recovering from old stuff. I don't want to do yeah. it again. No, yeah. thank you. Exactly. And you're pinning it all together into one big breakup monster and, like, staring in the eye and being like, I'm never going to enter a relationship again. Or just feeling like you never want to because, you know, like we said, yeah. you're still in love with that person. You put you're big boundaries out. up. Yeah. All this stuff. It's really hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Good God. It's so hard. that brings me to how do you heal? How long does it take to heal? Mm -hmm. So I, I was, you know, the storytelling stuff I was talking about above, according to How and Dweck, a good way to heal from a breakup is to change your narrative mm -hmm. around it. Mm -hmm. Reframe. But that still doesn't tell us, you know, how long that might take. Sure. Right? So according to Sex in the City, it takes... <laughs> Half of the amount of time you were together. <laughs> then explain to me how I'm still getting over someone I was with for two days, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie, you fucking yeah, bitch. You bitch. <laughs> um, here are some statistics. According to a 2007 survey, 71% of people who had gone through a breakup felt better after three months. But a similar study in 2017 said six months. And a 2009 study of people who had recently been through divorces said 18 months. Okay. relationship expert alexis nicole white says to give yourself two to about two to three months for every year you were together what does that tell us meg that there's no specific timeline and i think we already knew that no yeah and we knew that and helen fisher does talk a lot about how time is healing though so mm -hmm. while it's different for everyone it is sort of the only way is right to, like go fucking through it but it's like what we're all going through right now we don't know when covid's gonna be over you know mm -hmm. and it would be so much easier to deal with if we could be like okay well we know that in march we'll, we'll be back to normal that's yeah. not a thing that's gonna happen and that's not a thing we can give ourselves and i right. think it's the same with dealing with heartbreak well i yeah i know it takes time and i'm i have to sit in that but i i just wish i knew how how many months yeah exactly you know for sure how so meg how long would it say for you it took for you to feel normal after your divorce? And I know that's kind of a vague question. Mm, mm. So I apologize for that. Yeah, normal's hard. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'll ever be normal again in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so when did I, I am what, four and a half years off of my divorce. I was married for six years. We were together for nine, a little, almost 10. Okay. Something like that. And that includes dating. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about my divorce is I felt like I was working on it alone for a good three years, mm -hmm. truly alone. He wouldn't even, like, talk to me and stuff, even though we lived in the same home. Yeah. So I had mourned it for a long time before the papers were signed or whatever. Right. You know? I was yeah. actually already in a relationship when... It all went through because it takes for fucking ever. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, I don't know. For I mean, I guess in a way, three years. Yeah, you, and you were grieving while you were still in the relationship. While I was trying to save it, fix it, work on it. Yeah. So I don't really know. And I'll always, I mean, 
when like you... I've said before on this podcast, like I'll mourn it, I'll mourn my marriage forever. Yeah. And when did you feel that feeling of heartbreak the most? This intense feeling that we're talking about. When was that hitting you the hardest? When you were still in the relationship? When, when I was still in it, I yeah. would cry myself to sleep for for like. And was a he year. like in bed next to you? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't need that makes him sound worse than he is. If I had to like sum up my divorce, it's like he was ill equipped mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way and wanted me to not be who I am. Yeah. In retrospect. And I think you're a very different person now I'm very than you different. were then. Not that I knew you then. And it you you found yourself, so to speak. Yeah. And that wasn't happening in the relationship. No. I don't think that was something that he desired for me. So right. that made it harder too. And putting so much time and energy into trying to make it work. Yeah. Trying to get him to like talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. Okay. So here's one timeline thing I kind of liked. Some timeline mm. advice. Psychotherapist Corey Dixon File agrees that there's no specific timeline, but does say that if you were together for at least one year, you should give yourself about a year to like feel better time to get through the major holidays and events and give yourself kind of that full cycle of a year okay so I kind of liked that because it makes sense to me like go through all the stuff you have to go through right the dates and the birthdays and the whatever yeah Um, make sure you can do it alone right I'll say I had like a very very short relationship this is probably the only right after your divorce yeah yeah I was gonna say I think this is the only person that's ever dumped me before but two people have a flex from Meg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't had that many relationships. Either. I know. I'm kidding. I was I'm with someone idiot. for 10 years. <laughs> but, oh, I, okay. So I was with them for like two weeks and it ended up just feeling like nothing, even though in those two weeks it felt like something. And yeah. after that, I was single for a year, I right. believe. Right. Okay. Which goes to show it Which took over a year to get for, my yeah. divorce to go through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, you know, I, I do think it's different for everyone, but I, I did like that advice if you're really looking for some sort of timeline. You yeah, know? If, it, if it helps you reframe it. Yeah, exactly. So in the piece by um, Allison Abrams that I mentioned earlier, she says some, something very simple that makes a lot of sense to me. If love is an addiction, then heartbreak is the withdrawal, right? So mm-hmm. that's why you have to go cold turkey, which is very hard when you can just click, clack, click on an Instagram and see what click, they're doing. Click, clack, click. You can click, clack, click on an Instagram and see what they're doing, Meg, and it's really hard. It's something I do all the time. <laughs> It's hard. It's literally the same thing as listening to sad music, in my opinion. Yeah, you're exactly. just poking the wound. I know. That's all you're doing. It's awful. It's awful. We all like to pick our scabs. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. So, how do we know when we're over something? We all know that you don't just wake up one day and realize you're over your ex, right? Mm-hmm. But well, sometimes, maybe, maybe if it's been a long time, if it's been a long you time, you realize you haven't been thinking about it. That's the thing. I guess. Yeah. That's that's more of what I mean. So uh, yeah. So there are certain signifiers that can help, right? So kind of what you were saying. People have said that they knew because they could listen to a song that reminded them of their ex without getting super sad. Mm -hmm. Someone on Reddit posted about how his ex wasn't the first thing he thought of when he woke up in the morning Mm -hmm. for the first time in six months, and that felt like a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Another person posted about how he could finally imagine himself with someone else. Like, he met met someone, and he was, like, thinking about himself with her, Mm -hmm. and that's how he knew he could move on. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so then, Meg, how do we get over someone? Obviously. <laughs> I know. There's advice all over the internet, right? People on Tell Reddit. Me, Molly. There's a breakup. Yeah, because I'm really good at it. <laughs> I'm doing really well at it. Tell me. <laughs> Woof. Okay, so people on Reddit, specifically this breakups forum, are all about no contact, which is what I was saying before. Yeah. But get away from their social media. Don't text. Don't call. Obviously, that's really hard to do when you're experiencing withdrawal because mm-hmm. you want your fix. It may also be impossible if you, you know, have mutual friends or you work together or your lives are somehow connected aside from your romantic relationship. Yes, of course. To be honest, I've never been successful at no contact, even though I know it always would have helped me. Yeah, well, you know, you were addicted. Yeah, one time I deleted, this was my big New York ex, I deleted his everything, like his phone number blocked him on everything and I was like yeah I'm doing great you know and then I got drunk one night and realized I could still email him and so I emailed him but I didn't email him the long email like I was talking about before I basically just used email as a text you up honestly yeah 
I think I said like, where are you? Or like something crazy, which is like, and he was heaped to, you know, we were both bad. He responded and he was like at my apartment. And then I do think I went over. Oh, of course you did. That's how it worked. I was hoping to find statistics on the no contact rule and, and how effective it is, but I couldn't. So, uh, but I did find were lots of testimonials. So I'm going to read some. These are from a Cosmopolitan article of, about the no contact rule, but you can also find people on Reddit are big on no contact and it's like a really, they like support each other and, and Aww. Yeah. It's, a, it's an accountability thing, it, which it is really nice. It really helps if you have someone on your team with that. But we have a friend that was really trying to not contact someone. So I told her to just text me every time that she would text them, and I think it helped. I need to go through the act of sending a text. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing that really helps me. When I can text a friend, with my that last big relationship I talked about, there was like an app you could download that you could just text the app oh. instead of your ex, and it looked like you were texting them. It was cr- it I did a lot. to you? No, no. That'd be interesting. But it was just like somewhere to put your thoughts. One day they're going to have one that responds. Yeah. When like I- AI. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. That acts like them. Yeah. Um. So here are a few testimonials on no contact. This 100% helped me. I couldn't go back to someone just because it was comfortable or because things got hard. Had I not cut things off completely, I would have gone back to him or at least kept talking to him. Another person said, I do it all the time, delete their numbers and unfollow them. No temptations. Suck out all the poison. <laughs> Another person said, which I related to, I completely cut him out of my life because I knew I couldn't handle having only a fraction of him. Yeah, Yeah, that's really smart. And this is actually all reminding me of that little baby relationship right after my divorce that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. But them offering up a fraction of themselves afterwards is... uh, And that's uh, what this person did. yeah, Yeah, it's such a... It actually made it easier for me to just move on personally because it was like, oh, you're... You ended this. You're trying to pocket me. Yeah. You know, right. when people leave you little breadcrumbs so yeah, that you're not like fully gone. Yeah, that has happened to me many times. And they can reach out if they're horny or something. Right. Or, yeah, if <laughs> their no. next thing doesn't work out. Right. That's not who I am to you anymore. Get out of here. Fuck yeah. Off. <laughs> I had someone, I've had someone be like, well, I only want to talk every once in a while because this person was in another relationship. I had not interfered in the relationship. This was all by the person's own decisions, but they were like, well, I don't know when I can talk to you because obviously she doesn't like our friendship. And I was like, okay, well, that's not how my friendships work. You know, I'm not like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can text me once a week when it's safe. That's too stressful of a friendship. So no thanks, you know. That just seems unhealthy. If the new partner doesn't like it, I guess too bad. Yeah. (laughs) Like you guys can't be friends anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then one last one. Uh, I did it and it helped by no longer letting him in. I was able to discover myself again. And there's this message of getting your power back after like a big heartbreak. And I think that's really important and it relates to kind of the stuff we were talking about before because you get your you have to get your sense of self back, especially in, when you were in a relationship where your sense of self feels intertwined or your personality feels intertwined with that person. That's the only way to kind of rebuild your own sense of self on your own. Yeah, that makes sense. So here's some other advice from the internet and and around. (laughs) Um, Instagram? Yeah. No. The internet. (laughs) The internet. When you find yourself idealizing or romanticizing the relationship, remind yourself why it ended. So write down what you didn't like about the person. Not because we want to be mean to them necessarily. Maybe we do. But to remind ourselves why it didn't work. Or write down, you know, just incompatibilities, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Feel your feelings when appropriate, but also distract yourself when appropriate. Uh, This is advice we've all heard. I think it's okay to lay in bed for a long time. But you eventually have to get out of bed. Yes, right? of course. Try to stop the self-criticism. So when I do this, like when I internalize and, and make it all about myself and what I've done wrong, my therapist tells me to say things out loud, just to say stop out loud. Mm. I don't do it a lot, but when I do, it does help. Nice. Uh, I should probably do it more. Um, <laughs> work on yourself. Therapy is helpful, but unfortunately not everyone has access to therapy. So read about healing from relationships and talk to your friends. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't have a friend that you can text instead of that person or you're, like, worried about it, stop. Get that friend or, like, text have us. that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Just DM forever, DM babe. forever, babe. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Please do. <laughs> and then, of course, analyze the relationship. 
Um, and I didn't, I didn't, honestly didn't want to spend too much time on internet advice because a lot of it is stuff we hear all the time and, and may not feel good when we're in the midst of it, you know? It's yeah. the worst when you're feeling it so hard and someone's like, go for a run, which I will never give that advice. Right, right. But you know what I mean? That happens a lot. Well, there's a medium, right? Like what we already, we already talked about. You can't have someone who's like, fucking get over it already. That's usually a person who's never had their heart broken. Uh-huh. And then you also can't be like, enabling it. You need someone who is, you're great, you're yeah, good, like, don't, text me instead. Like, you don't want the person to, like, indulge you too much, but you also want someone who, like, gives you room to feel your feelings. It's a very delicate balance. I think you're very good at balancing that, Meg. Oh, thank you. So are you. So, some things that did help me. Lying on the floor. I'm big about lying on the floor. <laughs> if I'm really upset, something about the floor makes me feel better. I would argue that you're big about lying down. I love lying down. <laughs> But if I'm really sad, Meg, I move from the couch to the floor. Okay. Okay. Good to know. FYI. Um, If you're in the middle, do you sit on your beanbag chair? Yeah. (laughs) Molly has a beanbag chair. I never sit on my beanbag chair. It's not that comfy, but I like it aesthetically. I also, this is probably one of the weirdest post-breakup things I did, but I missed having him in bed with me and I'm already really bad with sleep. I I like wake up a million Mm -hmm. times a night. So... I was really having a hard time adjusting to sleeping alone. So I bought a pregnancy pillow. They're like the things that go around your whole body, like in a U shape. They're for pregnant women. Okay. So it's like a double body pillow. Yeah. It's a a body pillow. Yeah. That's more of a bridge. Okay. And it was huge. I'm like, I, I, it was huge. Okay. I texted a picture of it to my sister and she was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like it took up my whole bed. I couldn't bring it with me to LA. I had to throw it out. Oh no. So it was like, I, it was too big. Did you name it? No. Aw. No, I didn't. Oh good. Because ultimately you threw it away. Yeah. What has helped you? What is, what are the unconventional things maybe that have helped you? Oh. If that, if, if there are things. Oh, I don't know. Honestly, just diving into something schoolwork or something <laughs> I don't know the last time my heart was crushed I was in college so you just I mean obviously we talked about how my heart was like slowly crushed in my divorce but yeah the last time I howled at the moon after a breakup was in college two I had two of them and I don't know just baths I guess okay yeah I can't do baths because I am impatient as we talked about with the bangs cutting thing yeah, I'm like, and everything. Why, why am I just lying in this water? Where's the TV? I guess I could bring you could bring it in. in. That's the best. Yeah, but I want to be able to wiggle around and lie on the floor wiggle if I want. Around, I love you. You think I like baths because it involves lying basically on the floor? No, it's not comfortable enough for you. Yeah, I love to be comfy. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I don't know. I think I just have to barge through it. I think I have yeah. to listen to the sad music. I think I have to look forward. And I just have to, like, run through it. Doing life normally is hard, so doing life normally helps. Yeah, and <laughs> it almost, makes like, you feel overdoing normal. it. Put a little color pop on your eyes. Sure, exactly. <laughs> I am not going to do ads on this podcast unless it is for a color pop, okay. I feel like. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Meg, so, of course, we have to talk a little bit about dating after heartbreak. Yeah. How do you know when you're ready to date? One sign that sticks out to me is that you're happy being alone. So dating expert Jonathan Bennett says if you've reached the point where you don't mind being alone and can enjoy it, it's a good sign that you're ready to start dating again for the right reasons. Makes sense to me. Ask yourself if you've done the work you needed to do, and that, that goes back to this element of analyzing the past relationship and what went wrong, but not judging yourself for it. Don't make dating and moving on your whole life. Mm. Yeah. Which is a big one. I think it's really easy to just spend a lot of time on, like, Tinder or whatever, but then I ultimately feel worse after, you know? Yeah. Um, Makes sense to me. Relationship coach Laurel House says to wait to get back out there, but don't wait too long. So, obviously, that's confusing as hell in a way. Wait, but don't wait too long, right? Yeah. I like the idea of setting a deadline, though. And I think if I were to do that, I'd honestly ask for your opinion on what the deadline would be. You know? I'd be (laughs) like, yeah. If I feel like I'm not ready to date at all, and that's not how I feel right now, but... If I were in that place, I'd be like, Meg, when do you think I should set my little deadline for when I can download the app? So I think that's fair. Or I'd ask my therapist. Probably both of you. (laughs) (laughs) You have told me multiple times we say similar things. Yeah, it's really frightening. Um, (laughs) I do want to talk for a second about rebound relationships because I want to get your opinion on this. Okay, Um, but we should also do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I did come across a study that found that sometimes rebounding can be beneficial. So I'm just going to read the following excerpt from this BBC article. 
People who start new relationships quickly have better romantic life feelings, says Claudia Brumbaugh, a psychologist who studies adult attachment at City University of New York, describing a study where she assessed the psychological well-being of people who had recently broken up and then were in new relationships. Okay. They felt more confident, desirable, lovable, possibly because they had proven it to themselves. They had more feelings of personal growth and independence. They were more over their ex. They felt more secure. There were no cases where people who were single were better off. That seems wild to me. Well, this is a, a matter of perception in that moment. They aren't yeah, actually true. better off. Right. And the piece went on to talk about how your attachment style affects how you enter a new relationship as well as whether or not you learn things from the past relationship. So it's dependent on a lot of factors, but it kind of does say that rebound relationships may not always be as detrimental as we think. It kind of negates what I've been saying before <laughs> and and what every article on the internet says, right? how to deal with heartbreak, but I kind of wanted to include it because, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. And I've talked to people who have had very successful rebound relationships, and I kind of always see it as, okay, well, that's a fluke. Yeah, I don't know anyone that has. Oh, really? I don't think. Interesting. I don't know. I thought it was like, I think we should do our own, a separate episode on rebound relationships. Sometimes they do work out. And so I kind of, I found this study interesting. Yeah, I think you're right that it doesn't necessarily say that those people are they just feel good in that. successful because when you're falling in love which is what's happening when you're starting a new relationship right. whether it's a rebound or not your brain is on those drugs again yeah and, it's and not happy. even falling in love just when you're like attaching yourself again it feels good well yeah that's the falling you're not yeah. in love right but right, like right. what we what we say when we're talking about our brain in love that's happening to you you're back on cocaine of course you feel great mm, yummy and the people who are like sticking to not doing that yet it of feels course awful. they feel worse okay well then fuck that study <laughs> well no no it makes sense yeah but in a in context right yeah well that's pretty much our research i just wanted to include a little bit about heartbreak during the holidays since we are entering the holidays and also hey get ready for some holiday themed episodes coming up boop 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 <laughs> tick tick what did you say click clack click. click. <laughs> tick tack tick on the instagram <laughs> But yeah, heartbreak during the holidays. So it can be hard on relationships, right? Finances, your expectations for the holidays. Or if you're in a new relationship and you go home with them and their family is weird and ignores you or is rude or something, or you bring your partner home and they act weird around your family, like it might mess things up. <laughs> it definitely will. Yeah. So it might not be surprising to everyone that on Match.com, they did a poll, which, of course, Helen Fisher runs all of those. Woo-woo. 76% of singles said that they have broken up with someone over the holidays, and 30% of them said it was the partner's family that turned them off of the relationship. Mm. That's so crazy to me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's a lot. I've never really – I've never met somebody's family and been like, never mind. Yeah, if anything, meeting someone's family and if their family's – not fun to me it makes me understand that person and their insecurities more i would yeah, say yeah okay and then so when it comes to new years match sees a 25 to 30 percent increase in new members with more than 2 million users logging in more than 30 million times in just the first week of the new year wow so 2 million users are logging in 30 million times in that first week Damn. Um, so, you know, they're horny, they're lonely, yeah. they're fresh off a breakup, whatever. So if any yeah. of our uh, lovebirds are going through a heartbreak right now, just wait for January. People are going to be on the prowl for you. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Molly's ready. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so that's it. That's, that's it. my little holiday update. I don't know. I feel like a lot of this is science just saying yeah you're not crazy yeah I really wanted to do this episode because I think it's clear that recently I went through some sort of heartbreak and the last time I went through this huge heartbreak I fell out of control but I also was not as mentally well as I am now mm -hmm. I was still recovering from my eating disorder I was trying to figure out what the right medications for me were Mm -hmm. And now I've had that stuff figured out and I've handled this situation so much better, but I was constantly texting Meg being like, I'm so sad. And it really fucked with me because I was like, oh, I can still be affected like this. But yeah, science tells us, yeah, no matter what, this is probably yep. going to happen. We get addicted. Yeah. Great. 
And now it's time for Real Love, where we read listener stories. And I'll say it. This is the first one sent in where it's just a straight-up listener yep. who was a beautiful, amazing person and sent in a story. And it's a good story. Yes. I read it. Molly's going to read it for us. I'm excited. Uh, she hasn't read it yet. But it is from a listener named Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, so trigger warning, eating disorders. Okay. My first real and to date only big love was a really good story. We were best friends since fifth grade and all through high school and college, our moms were like, date. And we were like, no. (laughs) Well, until the summer we were both 23 when we fell in love in the woods of Maine as camp counselors. Classic. Yeah. This big love would last for many years only to end a few weeks before my 27th birthday. Mm. My Saturn return did me dirty. (laughs) He had relocated to Los Angeles to be with me after two and a half years of long distance but ultimately he wanted a life in our hometown in illinois Mm. he wanted a house with a yard and to raise his kids near his parents he did not want to live in a tiny one bedroom in culver city (laughs) forever as i was pursuing acting but mostly nannying my life away Mm -hmm. it was a wonderful partnership he taught me to ski to rock climb and how to have sex shout out to any other late bloomers thank you for the shout out (laughs) he taught me i could be deeply profoundly loved he also taught me to pick myself he taught me by example he picked himself which was the bravest thing he could have ever done Mm -hmm. Ugh, i was on his team when he left wishing for him his own happily ever after even if it was without me wow okay We lovingly uncoupled at a distance for about three months, finally calling Mm. it after one last weekend in person. I had to let him go. And then he replaced me Ah. in like five minutes. Ah, ah. He met a young girl in our rural small town, and they were a going-on-trips-with-his-family item within a few months. This Mm. was, of course, a flimsy Band-Aid, which he later confirmed to me, though they are together to this day. Uh, Yikes. uh, He might have said that then well we'll see okay Okay. but i was no longer on his team in fact i was utterly obliterated i attempted to levy my pain by starving myself and running for hours at a time while listening to sorry not sorry by demi lovato on a loop i was unrecognizable lying to my friends and my therapist and crying in my dirty sheets most days i would not emerge for over a year during a time when i was actively breaking my broken heart by sleeping with an emotionally unavailable older brazilian man I was and am not cool enough to live out that plot line unscathed. <laughs> Same. Same. It would take another almost full year to come back to myself to stop settling for something because it was better than nothing. Word to the wise, it is not better than nothing. And if they are tall plus smoldering plus Brazilian plus mysterious plus wishy-washy, run, baby girl, run. That's a plot of a Friends episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe he's Italian. He's Italian, I think. I dated a few more frogs, read Tiny Beautiful Things and Just Kids went on camping trips and to a ton of weddings alone i had a fucking blast with my friends mm-hmm. and i came back to myself or rather i remap myself i am a new ios almost entirely <laughs> i take no half-ass love no toxic masculinity Ooh. no garbage Ooh. i am dazzling i'm Aww. in love with this story <laughs> but i had to feel deep in my cells heartbroken to meet me Mm -hmm. i had to have the universe pull me apart so i could grow back so this renaissance could breathe and bloom. oh my god this This is so real for me and then the pandemic happened and i met a man on the internet and we safely came together over the summer and fell fast and hard i told him you are meeting me but i am meeting me too i've never been this kelly I've never been this, Kelly like this, with a man before. I love this. (laughs) So I don't know how I will be or how I will feel. It will be a surprise to us both. And it has been. On our first real date, he interrupted me and I said, please don't interrupt me and let me finish speaking. Okay. I do not fake... I do not fake orgasms anymore. Nice. Cool. Uh, He once tried to explain something about running to me, and I was like, I ran a half marathon, won it, actually. So either you weren't listening when I told you that, or you're in demands blaming. The running tips have stopped. And guess what? Yes, he listens. Yes. And guess what? He adores me. He says, I love how you are. You're not too much. You're a beautiful person. He has a hidden stash of Reese's for me at his apartment. Or Reese's, some would say. I would say Reese's. <laughs> I say Reese's. He has a hidden stash of Reese's for me at his apartment <laughs> and rations them for me. I need this boundary. Okay. He gives me head scratches when we are waiting for our takeout to be ready. He is patient and gentle with me as I brush up on my Spanish, which is his first language. I am very happy. Mm. I don't know if he is the next big love or the big love, but I know I am entirely myself with him, a self I am so proud of. And a self I would have never even met if my heart didn't crack open. Patty Smith says, it leads to each other, we become ourselves. 
And to that I say, a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you, Kelly. I would say the big love is you, Kelly. Aww. Yeah, that's nice. She also says, if this is way too long, but you wanted to share any part, you have my permission to edit and redact. No. No way. <laughs> it was perfect. You're the big love, Kelly, Aww. and this story was perfect. I'm obsessed. Guys, not all these stories have to be this good, but this the bar this is pretty set. good yeah that's a good one i loved that uh, one yeah don't forget you can send us your stories at foreverbabepodcast.com follow us follow us for all of the photos and molly's bangs yeah <laughs> and yeah i think that's it that's the science of heartbreak love you forever babe <laughs> Our sources for today's episode are The Guardian, Place of Love, Gibraltar Becomes Marriage Hotspot in Pandemic from Agency France Press. Faster. <sighs> I was so supportive last week. I know. Huffington oh, Post, God. Healing from a Broken Heart by Dr. Georgiana Donadio. Berkeley.edu, This is Your Brain on Heartbreak by Megan Leslocky. Harley Therapy, The Psychology of Heartbreak and How It Can Help You by Sherry Jacobson. The New York Times, Can Tylenol Help Heal a Broken Heart by Melissa Hill. Tech Insider's YouTube video, Heartbreak Effects on Your Brain and Body. HelenFisher.com. Camila Cabello's Instagram post, you cited that? It's a source. <laughs> the Atlantic, Why Some People Take Breakups Harder Than Others by Lauren Howe. Woo. Mind, Body, Green, Relationships, How Long It Should Really Take to Get Over a Relationship by Kelly Gonzalez. Psychology Today, Five Essential Steps to Recovery from Heartbreak. Oprah Magazine, How Long Does It Take to Get Over a Breakup by Sarah Stillman Berger. Cosmopolitan, Real Talk, The No Contact Rule is the Only Way to Get Over a Breakup by Taylor Andrews. The only way to get over a breakup. Bustle, 13 (laughs) Experts Reveal Uh. the Best Time to Date After a Breakup by Bibby Deets. That's a good name. And BBC, The Benefits of Rebounding After a Breakup by William Park. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Forever Babe Podcast would like to thank all of our sources, as well as Corey Webster for making our theme song and Pearl Botts for singing so beautifully on it.